So y'all might have to bear with me a little bit today. First off, you don't know who I am. Some of you have never met me. I'll lower my mask so you can at least see my face for a second. Then I'll put my mask back on in case the bishop is watching the live stream. <laughs> my name is Alan Bentrup, and I work for the bishop, so that's why I double extra special have to care what he thinks. And so I'm really thankful to be with you all today. Uh, one of the roles that I serve in the diocese is to help congregations think about who they are, help congregations think about how they follow Jesus' command to love our neighbors, help congregations think about what their purpose is in their communities. And over the coming weeks, I'm going to work with your vestry to, to do some of that work. The vestry will then work with you all to, to help think about who is St. Francis? Who are we called to be? There's some questions we'll answer together. There's some deep, honest discussion we'll have together. And hopefully, there's some, some decisions that y'all will make about who we are called to be, not for St. Francis, right? This whole operation isn't for St. Francis. And we'll get that when I actually start get to my sermon. This is all prelude. Sorry about that. Because this whole operation isn't about us in this room, right? The Christian life isn't about this. This is great. But if you read Amos today, God has some pretty strong words about burnt offerings and, and worship. If it's not coupled with a transformed life that seeks the good of the community, it's worthless. So this whole operation is about our community. It's about those outside of our walls. The church is the only organization that exists for the benefits of people who aren't members. And so over these coming weeks, we'll talk about how we can do that. How we as St. Francis can seek to transform the lives and the hearts in the world of the people of Chapin, the people of the Midlands, and our neighbors. Another reason you need to bear with me is this was convention week. I don't know if you were a delegate to convention or if for some reason you decided to watch on Facebook Live because you had nothing better to do yesterday. God bless you. So it's been a pretty crazy week for me. And it wasn't until about 45 minutes ago that I actually had an idea what I was going to say today. Because even without convention, it's been a pretty crazy week, hasn't it? There's been a lot going on. If you're like me, you've been turning on the news to see what's been decided, what hasn't been decided. How come Nevada can count our money so quickly when we gamble, but they can't count votes so quickly? Or, you know, these things, right? Like... It's been a week where there's been a lot going on. And so one of my practices as I'm getting ready to preach is, is I'll read through sermons I've preached for that same Sunday before. Right? I've been a priest now long enough that I've been through the lectionary a time or two. Not that I'm copying and pasting and preaching the same thing, because no one would ever do that. <laughs> Trust me. But I think there's things that we can learn from what was said in the past. And when these readings came up three years ago, in early November 2017, I was preaching in Houston, Texas. That's where I'm from. I have the boots to prove it. 
It was in the days after Sutherland Springs, which, like too often, that name brings up an image because there was a shooting in a church. And we don't have to explain it. We just say Parkland, Columbine, Sutherland Springs. And so I thought back to where I was, where my community in suburban Houston was in the days after that when a house of worship was desecrated by violence. People of God were separated by division. And then I thought back to what I tried to say, what I felt God was trying to say in that time. And it made me remember that the division we think we're going through this week for the very first time, the pain and the heartache that sometimes it feels like we're living for the very first time, it's been around for quite a while. It was around three years ago. It was around 20 years ago when some of my friends were murdered in a mass shooting. It was around a hundred years ago when the world was at war. It was around 150 years ago when this country was at war with itself. It was around 2,000 years ago when Jesus was speaking to people who were divided. When Jesus was speaking to people who were saying, I'm prepared, I'm one of the bridesmaids that knows what's going on. And other people saying, no, you don't. I'm the one that's prepared. I'm the one that has the answers. And Jesus was speaking to these people and trying to say, you're all missing the picture. I'm actually not going to touch on the gospel this week. Number one, it's really difficult, and I'm just going to take a pass on it. But number two, it's part of a series, and we'll get to it next week, right? We stay in this part of Matthew for several weeks, and I'm preaching to you all again next week, so either I'm sorry, or I'll see you again next week, depending. So we'll touch on some of those themes. But I actually want to go outside of what Jesus was talking about. Because 2,000 years ago, Paul was talking to the Thessalonians. And these Thessalonians were seeing people around them die. The Thessalonians were living in a world that was crazy and chaotic. And they were being persecuted for their faith. They were being rounded up and murdered because they dared to challenge the authorities of the day. And these folks were worried. They were like, what? what? We were promised that Jesus was going to come back, and he hasn't. And so what is going to happen these people that have died before Jesus came back, are we going to see them again? If we live long enough for Jesus to come back, will we see those people who died before? And Paul tried to set the record straight to them and says, this world is going to be full of chaos and violence and brokenness and pain. But we have a hope in Jesus. And you go back even further to Amos. And Amos is writing to people before Christ who they're crying out for the day of the Lord. That's like them saying, we want the world to end. They're in the midst of struggle and turmoil 
and division and chaos. And they want the day of the Lord. They want the day of salvation. They want the day of healing. They want the day of righteousness. And God, through Amos, speaks to them and says, Y'all are missing the point. Because the point is not to escape the chaos. The point is not to escape the world. For the Thessalonians, they were worried about what's going to happen when we die. What's going to happen when we escape the world and get to that promised future. For the people Amos was speaking to, they were thinking about what's going to happen in the day of the Lord. What's going to happen in the day when we finally get somewhere else that is the kingdom of God. And so God, through Amos, God, through Paul, says, y'all are missing the point. Because the end of the world, the day of the Lord, is not about some future promise that we strive for, that we hope for, that we'll reach when we die, or when Jesus returns. Because for God, for us, the day of the Lord is about what we do right now. Not in spite of the chaos, not in spite of the division, not in spite of the pain, but what we do in the chaos, what we do in the division, what we do in the pain. Because for the Christian, the point of following Jesus is not so one day we can escape all of this. For the Christian, the point is so we can help God transform it all right now. And that happens in small ways. Right? That happens by inviting that person to lunch. Well, not right now because we can't go to lunch because the restaurants are closed. But inviting that person to a Zoom call or whatever you want to do. Or, God willing, someday soon we'll be able to go to Olive Garden again. But it, it happens in small ways by inviting that person with whom we disagree. That person who planted a different yard sign in their yard these last couple months. The person who cheered for the wrong football team yesterday. The person with whom we just seem to butt heads over whatever. The reconciling love of God starts in small ways by just reaching out to that person. We do it every Sunday in here. Right? Before we come to the table, we reach across to each other first because we can't come here into the presence of God unless we're reconciled with our neighbor. Because then we go to the words of Amos. And if we're not reconciled with each other, our offerings, our worship is useless to God. 
If there's no justice, if there's no righteousness, if there's no reconciliation, all of this is pointless, God says through Amos. And so we practice that every weekend here with people we know and love, with people we worship with, with people whom it's easy to love. We practice reconciliation. That passing of the peace is our opportunity to do that. Sure, it's an opportunity to wave and smile and shake the hand of someone we haven't seen in a while. But it's more than that. It's an opportunity to smile, wave, not shake hands because of COVID. But it's that opportunity to have that brief moment of reconciliation with people we already love or people we, it, for whom it should be easy to love. And that trains us for when we go out into the world and we are called to do the exact same thing with people whom it's not as easy to love. Because earlier when I talked about how we as a, as a body are going to figure out how we can help transform the lives of our neighbors, right, this would be a whole other sermon series, but we can talk for a while about who God says our neighbor is. And it's everybody. It's perhaps especially people we wouldn't think it would be. Jesus goes to great lengths in the gospel. He has a lawyer. It's always the lawyer, right? A lawyer comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus starts on this whole thing, and he tells a story about a guy who was going down a street. He was beaten and left for dead. He said, a priest walks by, and this is where I get embarrassed. A priest walks by and skips on the other side. Then a vestry person walks by and skips on the other side. Then the Sunday school teacher goes by and walks past the other side. Then the choir director, sorry, <laughs> goes by and walks on the other side. But then the terrorist walks by and stops. Because for the people Jesus was talking to, that's what they heard when they heard the word Samaritan. They heard enemy. They heard other. But that's the person who stopped and cared for, for this man and got him back to health. And then Jesus at the end of that story says, to who was the neighbor? To the man left for dead. And this is the great part, right? The lawyer can't, he, the lawyer heard this whole story. He can't even use the word Samaritan. That's how different an enemy that was. He said, the man who showed him mercy. So the lawyer knew the answer. The lawyer knew the person who was actually the neighbor. But he still couldn't bring himself to call him by his name. And so that's just a bonus. I have ADHD, and so sometimes you get bonus sermons with me. But when we're talking about who we as a people, who we, y'all, as St. Francis are called to serve, and that answer, like, I'm going to tell you the answer. It's, you're called to serve your neighbor, right? And there may be specific areas and pockets, and, and we can get to those details later. But the answer will be neighbor, right? Not each other. It will be neighbor. And Jesus is clear. That means everybody. That means the people for whom it's easy, and it means the people for whom it's going to stretch us and challenge us. And it also means each other, which in some circumstances can be the most stretching and the most challenging. 
Because we are a body of Christ. In here, you as St. Francis are the body of Christ in the Chapin community. And you are called to serve with one another. You are called to serve one another as one, as the body of Christ. Because in the Christian life, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, Democrat or Republican, Clemson or Carolina. That's not scripture, so I actually don't know if that's the case. There may still be Clemson and Carolina. But in the body of Christ, there is no division. There should be no division. Because we who are members of the body of Christ need one another. Because in scripture, right, we hear the word member and I, I won't speak for y'all, I think country club, right? Or I think, you know, fraternal organization. I think something for which a membership is I pay my dues, I make my tithes, I sign the contract, and I'm a member, right? Like I'm a member of a gym. That gym doesn't need me. But that's what I hear when I hear the word member. But when scripture talks about it, it's talking about pinkies. And it's talking about elbows. It's talking about eyes and ears and knees. It's talking about parts of the body. Not people who pay dues. So when we talk about being members of the body of Christ, when we talk about being members of this congregation, when we talk about being members of each other, we're talking about being grafted onto one another. We're talking about being stuck together in the good times and in the hard times. And so my challenge for us this week, and I'll be back next week and we can pick up on this, is, is how do we live in that way? How do we live in that way in which we see each other as members of our own body? And how do we live in a way that we see the world around us as our neighbors, that we are called to love and to serve and to be with? Because again, going back to Amos, God says, I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Those are harsh words that God is saying to those people. Because those people were missing the point of the whole operation. God goes on and says, Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your hearts. But God redirects them to the point. God redirects them to the way they are called to live. God redirects them to the way that people who follow Jesus Christ are to live. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness 
like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That is my prayer for you all. That through this work that y'all will do, that we'll do together to determine who we, what is our purpose, what is our mission, what is our call, our call is to see that justice will flow down like waters across Chapin, across the Midlands, across the world. Our call is to see that righteousness springs forth like an ever-flowing stream across Chapin, across the Midlands, across the country. And we'll figure out our part to play in bringing that to fruition. We're not called to do all of it, but we are called to do part of it. All of us are called to do part of it. This is not an optional thing that we can say, no, I'm just going to do my part and sit here and let other people do the work. We're all called. Because we're all members of one body. We're stuck together. We're stuck together. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the division, in the midst of the pain and the suffering of the world around us, and sometimes in the world within us. We're stuck together. And there's some days that I'm really thankful that I'm stuck with the people of God. Amen.